So what I'm going to talk about tonight for the next little while applies to every man and every woman in this building today. There is not one in this room tonight that will not understand that you have been where I'm going to talk about tonight. My subject tonight is confronting temptation. Confronting temptation. Sometimes you just have to confront it. Well, amen. I'm not going to use all the scriptures in the uh, King James tonight. I'm going to use some different translations. As a matter of fact, the first scripture that I will read is found in James chapter 1, verse 12, and it comes from the Living Bible. And it says this, Happy is the man who doesn't give in and do wrong when he is tempted. For afterwards, everybody say afterwards, he will get as his reward the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. Happy is the man who doesn't give in and do wrong. Could I, could I just tell you a story that I read some time ago? And uh, I've saved it for this night because it's such a, it's such a, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a story that relates to what I'm going to speak about for the next little while. Thomas Costain's history, The Three Edwards, describes the life of Reynald III, a 14th century duke in what is now the country of Belgium. Grossly overweight, Reynald was commonly called by his Latin nickname, Crassus which means fat. And after a violent quarrel, Reynald's younger brother, Edward, led a successful revolt against him. Edward captured, captured Reynald but did not kill him. Instead, he built a room around Reynald in the castle and promised him that he could regain his title and his property as soon as he was able to leave the room. This would not have been difficult for most people since the room had several windows and a door of normal size and none was locked nor barred. The problem was Reynolds' size. He couldn't fit through the door because he was too fat. To regain his freedom, all he needed to do was lose weight. But Edward knew his older brother, and each day he sent in a variety of delicious foods into his room to tempt him. And instead of dieting his way out of prison, Raynal got fatter. And when Duke Edward was accused of cruelty, he had a ready answer. My brother is not a prisoner. He may leave when he so wills. Raynal stayed in that room for 10 years and wasn't released until after his brother Edward died in battle. By then, his health was so ruined, he died within a year, a prisoner of his own appetite. I can relate. I understand that story. And if you don't, 
you ain't a fat boy like me. Thank you, Will. I needed some help right there. Every temptation, listen to me, is an opportunity to do good. On the path to your spiritual maturity, even temptation becomes a stepping stone rather than a stumbling block when you realize it is just as much occasion to do the right thing as it is to do the wrong thing. You with me? Sometimes we don't get out of the room because we're hung up with our temptations and giving in to the things that we like as our flesh. Temptation, ladies and gentlemen, simply provides you with what we commonly know as a choice. It can be the weapon of Satan to destroy you, or it can be the tool of God to develop you into a better Christian. Every time you choose to do good instead of sin, you grow in the character of the one we serve called Jesus Christ. But it all comes down to choice. Somebody said amen. So you say, what is the character of, of Jesus Christ like? Well, the best description that I can think of when we talk about developing character is found in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. And I'll read from the New Living Testament. The Bible said this, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here, there is no conflict with the law. If you want to be like Jesus, you have to develop, and we call that in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Let me tell you what that really is. That's the continuing evidence that God is living and dwelling in your life. That's the continuing evidence because that's not a one-time thing. When you become like Him, when you desire to become like Him, there will exist in you love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These things, the fruit of the Spirit, always matures in us. And everybody say this with me, slowly. It's not an overnight thing. You don't go out in your yard and plant an apple tree and go back 30 days later and get apples off of it. You don't even plant a plum tree and, 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 and go get plums off of it three months later. There has to be some maturing. There has to be some growth. You see, God develops the fruit of the Spirit in your life by allowing you to experience circumstances in which you're tempted to express the opposite quality. He, test, he lets you go through the testing, the trying. If, you so, if I could put it this way, the rain, the storms, the clouds, the ups, the downs, the good times, the bad times. But if you stick it out and if you do the right thing, the fruit of the Spirit will grow slowly in you 
until you can overcome anything that comes your way by the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. Amen. You can't claim to be good if you've never been tempted to be bad. Now just think about that. You can't claim to be good. You can't claim to be faithful unless you've had an opportunity to be unfaithful. That makes sense to you? So every time you defeat temptation, you become more like him. He overcame. The Bible said there was no sin found in him. But let me tell you, that doesn't mean he wasn't tempted. Because I can take you to the scripture and show you where he was tempted. Especially when he came off a 40-day fast. And this is why I tell people, when you fast, you better pray. Because you'll just get mean if you don't. Let me tell you, when I, when I don't eat, I ain't a good guy to be around. Unless I'm praying. And then I can do it the right way. Hello. I mean, I've been to the place where every time you swallowed it, it knocked your backbone out of joint. Your stomach said, thank you. Amen. But, but, but you see, when we talk about temptation and we talk about overcoming, it helps to know as children of God that Satan, watch this, he is entirely predictable. He has been using the same strategy and the same approach to humanity since the very beginning of time. He started lying the very first thing. And he started trying to, to sow discard between humanity and the Word of God in the very beginning. His question to Eve was, hath God said... He began to put questions in the mind of Eve, the very first person he ever tempted upon the face of this earth. Well, he hadn't quit that. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 2 and 11 in the, in the King James Version, lest Satan should get advantage of us. For we, everybody say it with me, we are not ignorant. Now, some folk are ignorant, but they're not ignorant of his devices. You might be ignorant about something, but you know when the devil comes knocking. And especially if you're a child of God. Paul was writing to the church here, and he said, lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant. We're not ignorant of his devices. We know he's a liar. We know what he does. We know he, he's, he's a, a wolf that comes in sheep clothing. We know he makes it look good when it really is bad. You know what? I... I, I the devil, I mean, just let me give you a, a quick uh, example of what the devil will do. I've preached this, I don't know, maybe 10,000 times over 50 years. And I've used this illustration many, many times. But it's a fact. The devil ne never shows you the other side of the picture. If you can ride down, they used to. They don't have as much of it anymore. But they used to have a guy on billboards on a big, beautiful horse in a meadow. And he's got smoke curling up out of a cigarette. And that, you know, and it says Marlboro Country. But what he don't show you is the cancer ward. What he don't show you is somebody with oxygen trying to live because Marlboro country got the best of them. 
They'll show you the country of 1,100 springs on a billboard, but they don't show you cirrhosis of the liver. They don't show you a broken home. They don't show you an empty wallet. They don't show you a broken marriage. I'm preaching whether you know I am or not. And what I'm saying is good stuff. And if I had a long enough arm, I'd pat myself on the back right now. But you see, we're not ignorant of his devices. Satan, here's what, here's what the New Living Testament said in that same verse, 2 Corinthians 2 and 11. Watch this. So that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are very familiar with his evil schemes. Does anybody know when the devil comes knocking on your door? Do you understand that if he comes telling you something that sounds like truth, you better get headed the other way because he is a liar and he is the father of every lie and the scripture said the truth is not in him. Amen. Temptation always follows a four-step process. Watch me now. Satan used it on Adam and Eve. He used it on Jesus and, and everybody else that he's ever tempted. There's a four-step process. The first thing, and, and you, you might want to remember this, it's desire. Everybody say desire. See, this may be a sinful desire or a, a very legitimate desire. Temptation starts when Satan starts suggesting that you give in to an evil desire or that you fulfill a legitimate desire in the wrong way. Some things are right, but they're done the wrong way. Well, it's quiet, but it's okay. So always be aware of shortcuts because they are often temptations in your life. Temptation starts right here. It starts right between your ears. It starts in your mind. Amen? It don't start in circumstances. It don't start. It's if you have the desire, the temptation, the temptation. If you didn't have the desire, if you didn't get it right here, the temptation couldn't affect you. It could get to you. But it starts with causing you to want things that you shouldn't want. I love Mark chapter 7, verse 20. And I'll read it in the New Living Testament. Here's what it says. It is the thought life that defiles you. For from within, everybody says from within. Jesus said, out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, eagerness for lustful pleasure, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you and make you unacceptable to God. If you can't understand that, we, we're too worried about what everybody sees. Your temptation doesn't start with what everybody sees. It starts in here. It can start in the secret corridors of your soul when nobody's looking. You, you, the thought life is that that defiles you. 
Oh, oh, I, I, I could stay right here a while. That's why Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ. Let this mind be in you. He said, bringing every thought into captivity. Did he say it? You bring it into captivity, every thought. So, so it just, it, every temptation starts with desire. Desiring the wrong thing. Desire, and the devil puts it in your mind. Let me tell you, there's a reason he puts the billboards and the, the magazine pages and the advertisements on television and, and, and whatever else you're looking at in your life. Let me tell you, there's a reason why he puts all that out there. Because he wants to entice you. He wants you to get a desire for it. He wants your mind to be messed up. He wants to look like it's okay when it's not okay. He wants to convince you that everybody else is doing it. So it must be all right. Well, confronting temptation. That's what you have to do. The second, the second process the devil uses is doubt. Doubt. You see, in, in the beginning, let me, let me tell you this. He pulled the fruit off the tree and, and, and tempted Eve with what she saw. And she got a desire to eat that. She wanted that because that looked good. You ever seen something that looked? Look, I got to tell you, I, I was sitting in uh, where I'm trying to remember where I think it was Texas Roadhouse some time ago, and, and right across the aisle, they come, <laughs> they come bringing this thing out, and it was about this big around. It was in one of those little glasses, and it was pink. I said, I don't know what that is, but it looks good. Probably wasn't good for me, and no, I didn't take one, but it looked pretty good. You ever seen something that looked good, you knew it wasn't good, but yet it looked good, and it got your mind all messed up because it looked good? Yes, you have, sir. Yes, you have. Don't you look at me like that. You got red blood flowing through your veins. That's why the devil wants you to look. You got it. And then he puts doubt. He tries to get you to doubt what God says in his word or what God has said to you personally. You know, and, and, and he starts putting questions. The devil never comes with a statement. Please remember what I'm telling you tonight. He never comes with a statement. He always comes with a question. That's why he said to Eve, hath God said. He'll look at you and say, is that really sin? Is there really anything wrong with that? Or does this really apply to you today? Or, you know, God, doesn't he want you to be happy? Amen. See, I'm right down where we live tonight because I know. I'm, I'm a human just like you are. So he puts desire or tries to put desire. He messes with our mind, and then he wants us to doubt what the Lord has said. And then, then he goes to the third step, and it's called deception. Somebody say deception. Satan, is, he's incapable of telling the truth, so anything he says is an untruth or a half-truth, but he tries to replace what God said in his word, and he tries to misquote it to you or, or convince you that it's okay. You know, I, I can find a scripture for everything. My, I, I, I Years ago, somebody said, well, the Bible said turn the other cheek. And I heard one fellow say, well, he didn't say what to do after that. 
Huh? We can find a place for whatever we want. But deception, he tries to replace what God has said in his word. In other words, you can get away with that. Nobody's going to ever know. Everybody else is involved in that. It's only a little sin. Can I just talk to you for a minute? Quit judging yourself by anybody else. You better judge yourself by what I'm holding in my hand right here. Because ain't a one of us heard him say, well done yet. I can't judge myself by Adam or by David or by Gage. I can't judge myself by that. I've got to judge myself by the Word of God. And if you're uncomfortable and you feel like God said don't do it, you better not do it. You got to have some convictions in your life. And it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. That's why Paul addressed some things. Brother Roy, you wrote a great article a few weeks ago, days ago, uh, uh, about liberty and freedom. There's some things you can do and it don't bother you because it's never bothered you and it's not sin. But there's some things that bother some folks because they've been out where you haven't been and they can't get involved in it because it feels like sin. The Bible said, therefore, laying aside every weight, Everybody say every weight. Every weight. There's a difference in weight and sin. Every weight. You lay aside every weight. And there's a conjunction there. The sin that does so easily beset you. Get rid of the weight in your life. Get rid of the things that the devil's trying to convince you is okay. Put that stuff aside that's trying to drag you down. Because it is a deception of Satan to try to move you to the realm of temptation that he can drag you down to his level. Hallelujah. Let me hurry. The fourth one is this. Then... He goes from desire to doubt to deception and then disobedience. This is when you finally act on the thought that you've been toying with in your mind. So what began as an idea is birthed into a behavior. It began with just something right here, right here. I always told our church this through the years, don't let that stay right there because if you stay right there, it's like a cancer. It'll grow. It'll grow. And if you cultivate it, it'll make a crop. If you, if you, keep, if you keep cultivating that, then you're in trouble. But, but, but if, you, if you get the desire out and if you get the doubt out and you deny the deception, he is a deceptive one that comes to tempt you. Then he wants you to disobey what God has said. Here's what James said in verse chapter 1, verse 14 in the English version. He said, but we are tempted when we are drawn away and trapped by our own evil desires. Then our own, then our evil desire conceived and give birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death you know what it is if you let it go it'll become something you can't handle but if you bring your mind into captivity if you i'm, I'm gonna give you some ways to, to to overcome that but those are the things that the devil uses to try to tempt you in every situation every situation Oh, the world and the devil can make it look ever so good. Ever so good. Look what fun the world's having. Look what everybody else is doing. Even in the church world, look what everybody else is doing. No, 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 no. Look what God said. 
Do you hear me? Look what God said. So how do you confront that? How do you confront it? Well, the first thing you do is you refuse to be intimidated. Amen? You'll never outgrow temptation. Listen to me. In fact, you can consider temptation a compliment. As long as the devil is tempting you, it's a sign that Satan hates you and it's a normal part of being a human in a sinful world and he knows you're trying to live for God. Let me tell you, the devil's working hardest, not on the guy that's out there on drugs or the, that's saddled up to the bar tonight and, 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 and one that's out running around on the tap. He, look, he's got them. You know who he's after? You. He's after you. He wants you out of the kingdom of God. Does that make sense to you? So as long as he's coming after you, it's a good sign. Temptation is not, listen to me, temptation is not a sign of weakness in and of itself. It's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus himself was tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. He said, we got we to refuse to be intimidated. This is why Paul said to the church in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 in the New Living Testament, he said, but remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. In other words, he's not going to let anything come on you that he will not give you power to overcome it. If when you're tempted, God's promised never to allow it to happen more on us than he can and put in us to overcome that. Are you ever tempted, preacher? Yes. Are you ever tempted? You, yes, you are. If you're not ever tempted, you might want to check your relationship with God. Because if he ain't bother, the devil ain't bothering you. You know. He ain't bothering you. You're probably on his team, don't even know it. Amen. Anybody here ever figured out that the more you pray, the more trials come? You ever figured out that the, the harder you try to live for God, the, the rougher the devil makes it on you? Come on now. I mean, you, you, you start trying to live for God and the devil tries to jerk the rug out from your feet on, in, in every situation. You know what you got to do? You got to be determined to live for God. And you can't be intimidated. Say, I won't be intimidated. You can't be intimidated. You, you, you can't let the devil push you around. Here's the second thing you got to do. Recognize your pattern of temptation. Recognize every human being is, is unique. You know that. That's why all of our fingerprints are different. We're all unique. Everybody in this room, everybody in this world, and each of us have an area of weakness. You may not want to admit it, but there's some areas you're weak. You may not have ever, ever would pick up a, 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 a bottle and drink or a, a cigarette and smoke, or you may not ever curse, but you may have the filthiest spirit of anybody around. See, it ain't all about what you see, darling. <laughs> 
be, you, you might be like the woman my daddy used to tell about. She came to the preacher and said, I, I just, you know, she felt terrible about gossip. And she said, I just want to lay my tongue on the altar. He said, there's 10 foot of altar. Do the best you can. I, I saw three ladies before church. I wouldn't tell you who they were forever. I just walked up and said, now, y'all know that's not true, and I didn't even know what they are talking about. And one of them said, we like the old boy that said everything we say about our neighbors is true. Isn't that right, Lou? They wasn't gossiping, though. They are telling the truth, wasn't you, Lou? <laughs> I'm just picking on them. That's my friends. You see, there are certain situations that make you more vulnerable to temptation than other people. And you've got to recognize that. You need to know them because the devil knows them. Did you hear what I said? You need to recognize their pattern of temptation in your life. Here's what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. You know this scripture, the King James Version. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. He's constantly looking for an opening. Here's what it said in the Message Bible. Now, this, this, is, this is out there, but this is what it said. Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Stay alert. Recognize where the devil attacks you the most. And then ask yourself, when am I tempted most? Where am I tempted most? Who's with me when I'm tempted most? That's a good question. How do I feel when I'm most tempted? And then you avoid those situations as much as possible and, and, and plan around temptation. Here's what the Bible said. Give no place. I want you to say this with me. Give no place to the devil. You can't allow him in your life. Amen? If I've, been, if I've had a, a horrible habit of any kind, if, 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 I was, if I came and the Lord saved me from being an alcoholic, what kind of fool would I be to think that I can run with alcoholics? What kind of fool would I think that, I, that, that I'm big enough now and I got enough God that I can go down and sit at the local bar for hours and just talk to everybody and never drink a drink? Are you crazy? You're putting yourself in, in line for the devil to lay it on you big. I'm just telling the truth. That's why when you come out of that world, you got to think, where was I tempted the most? Where, where, who was I with? What was I doing? How did I feel? And avoid that. Somebody say avoid that. You saw Proverbs 16 and 17, and, 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 and it says this, God's people avoid evil ways, and they protect themselves by watching where they go. God's people avoid evil ways. Remember, it's easier to stay out of temptation than it is to get out of it once you're in it. So don't get careless and put yourself in a place where you know you're going to have to fight to get out of it. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 and 12. He said, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he I'm hurrying. Number three, you got to refocus your attention on something else. Nowhere in the Bible does the Scripture say resist temptation. 
Doesn't say that. We're told to resist the devil. Doesn't say resist temptation. Said resist the devil. That's because uh, the resisting a thought doesn't work. As a matter of fact, when you when when you start dwelling on that, you reinforce that. So what you have to do is is you have to refocus on something else. A man came to me one time and he had a habit, and 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 you know he he uh, he kept a pack in his pocket all the time. And he said, I just can't quit. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to quit smoking, and I, I want to quit smoking, and I've got this addiction to smoking and nicotine. I want to tell you, and I'm not, I'm not against anybody. I want you to tell me. I, I want you to hear what I'm telling you, that nicotine is one of the hardest addictions to break. So here's what I told him. I said, sir, he's dead now. I'll call his name. His name was Walter. I said, Walter, now here's what I want you to do. You got a little New Testament? He said, I do. I said, I want you to get that New Testament tomorrow, and I want you to put it in your pocket. And then every time you reach for a cigarette, you'll grab the New Testament. Say, well, that's stupid. He wants one. He's going to get it. No, because every time he grabbed that New Testament, it reminded him what the Word of God said. All things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. That means some things are not good for you. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Some of us have become cathedrals, I'm being honest. But the facts are, you got you got to focus your attention. So you see, ignoring a temptation is far more effective than fighting it. Just taking your mind somewhere. This is why the principle of replacement: you 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 overcome evil with good. You start thinking about the goodness of God. You start thinking about the things God's done for you. When the devil tries to take your mind there, I dare you to just start lifting your hands and say, "God, you're so great. You're a, you're you're an awesome God." You've blessed me so many times. You know what? That old thought will leave your mind. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Ghost will take over in your life. You overcome evil with good. That's why the Bible repeatedly tells us to keep our minds focused on the Lord. Philippians 4 and 8. Watch this in the English version. In conclusion, my friends, fill your minds with those things that are good and that deserve praise, things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and honorable. Paul said, fill your minds with those things. Think on these things. This is what the King James Version says. Think on these things. Fill your mind with those And then Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 in the English Version said, be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. The New Testament says this, as a man thinketh in his heart, say it loud, so is he. Your thoughts matter. Anybody remember the, the, the I, don't, I don't remember it perfectly, but I remember that, that little engine that I read about in, 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 as a kid, and he was going up the hill, and he said, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Come on now. If you think you can, guess what? You can. If you think, the Bible said if a man thinks it in his heart, so is he. I think myself happy. That's what, that's what he did in the New Testament. He said, I think myself happy in a jail cell. Paul said, I think myself happy. Wow. 
Now, here's, here's number four. Reveal your struggle to a godly friend. And I, and I wrote out beside this statement, be careful. Because some friends aren't godly. And some friends wait for the next tidbit of gossip. And they're not really friends, they're associates. They're just people you know. Because your friends, you can tell. You see, God's plan for your life includes other people. And real fellowship is the only antidote to your struggle against sin that won't budge. Watch me now. James 5, 16, New International Version. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous man. So revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. And problems grow in the dark but shrink when they're exposed to the light. Sometimes we just need to be accountable to one another. I, you know, people that study this stuff, they say that if you develop seven true friends in a lifetime, seven true friends, that's remarkable. Because people sometimes who you think are your true friends are not really your true friends. And I could talk about that a long time. People who you think are your friends. But sometimes you do need somebody to talk to. Somebody besides God. And somebody that you can trust and say, Brother, I need you to help me pray. I'm struggling with an issue here. It's okay. It's better to get it there and to fall and lean on somebody else than for it to get too bad to where you can't tell anybody else. When it gets to where you can't tell anybody else, it's probably already gone too far. Just think about that. It's called brotherhood. It's called sisterhood, if you please. It's called leaning on one another. So reveal your struggle to a godly friend. And then the Bible said, resist the devil. James chapter 4 and verse 7 said this, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You've heard me preach this many, many times. One translation of that says, when you resist him, you stiff arm him. It's like, it's like a, 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 a running back going down the field, and the safety or the cornerback comes after him. And, and he puts his hand on his helmet or on his chest and he literally pushes him off and keeps running. Stiff on the devil. Resisting. And he, the Bible said, will flee. The message Bible, the message Bible said it this way. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Yell a loud no. Just, somebody say it with me, just say no. Resist it. You see, and I'm trying to hurry. The Bible often compares Christians to soldiers fighting in enemy territory. And, but with awesome, we have awesome weapons at our disposal our ultimate weapon is right here. It's the Word of God. It reveals truth about Satan's lies. 
And if you don't have any Bible verses memorized, you need to memorize some. And the first one you need to memorize is resist the devil and he will flee from you. Because that's a fact. When you tell him no and you say it in the name of Jesus Christ, he will take his flight. Amen. I'm hurrying. Then by all means request the help of God. I don't know if you understand it, but there's a 24-7 heaven emergency line. Yes, it is. Psalms chapter 50, verse 15 said, Call on me in times of trouble. I will rescue you, and you will honor me. Hebrews 4.15 in the New Living Testament said, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same temptations we do, yet he did it without sin. See, if God really wanted, if God really, really is waiting to help us defeat temptation, all you have to do is turn to him. All you got to do is call on him. All you got to do is speak his name. God never gets irritated when we keep coming back. I want you to hear me. He never gets irritated. He don't ever say, quit asking me. He never says, I don't have time for that today. He always wants you to cast your burdens on him because he will take care of you. Cast all your care upon him. The Bible said because he cares for you. And when you're in tempting or, or, or being tempted and, and the devil's doing his very dead level best to destroy you, go to Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith and he will help you through that trying time. Paul said, let us have confidence then and approach God's throne where there is grace. There we will receive mercy and find grace to help us just when we need it. So I hurry to a close. One of the greatest benefits of temptation is that it keeps us dependent upon God. Strong winds strengthen the roots of great trees. Resistance from the devil calls us to be greater Christians. I can only speak for me, but I got a feeling I'm speaking for everybody in this house. I pray better. I call on God better when I know my back's against the wall. Amen. I'm closer to him when I'm calling on his name. Lord, you got to see me through this. You got to help me pass this. You got to confront temptation in your life. So James said, Happy is the man who doesn't give in and do wrong when he's tempted. Happy. For afterwards, afterwards, he will get his reward, the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Happy is the man. Blessed is the man. When you confront it God's way, you will win every time. You will walk away victorious every time. The devil will learn very quickly that there's some areas of your life that he can't mess with. There's some things that he can't tempt you with. 
He'll learn who he can and who he can't. Let me tell you that. And let me tell you, when you get in a church service and you lift your hands and start worshiping God and start praising God, the devil gets nervous and he has to get out of here. He can't take that. And let me tell you something else. You don't have to be in a church to do that. You can do that in the bedroom at your house. You can do that over behind your shed. You can do that over in a pine thicket somewhere. You can raise your head say God you got to help me through this you got to give me power over the enemy you got to help me confront this thing in my life there's not one of us in this building not one that hasn't been confronted by the devil if you've lived for God more than 24 hours I'm telling you the devil has tried to take you down one way or another but I'm preaching to you on a Wednesday night get your feet on the rock get your mind made up tell the devil he's a liar resist him fall on your knees to God depend upon the church the brotherhood of God and I'm telling you you will walk out of that victorious every time stand with me all over the house thank you for listening to this preacher again on Wednesday night but when you're confronted now you know now you know how to confront the devil. Amen? Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to close, but I don't want to close before you get a chance to give. Come, ushers. Amen. You thought I forgot, but I didn't forget. We wait on Wednesday night because it takes a while for everybody to get here. But thank you for being with us tonight. Amen. I hope I haven't bored you. I hope I've helped you. Go back and listen to it again if you didn't get it all. Write the scriptures down. Find them in your own Bible. Mark them down. Don't let the devil get to you. We're winning, and he can't take it. We're going to be victorious in the end. There's hills and there's valleys living for God. Do you believe that? There's good times, there's bad times living for God. Is anybody with me? Anybody here been in the mountain and then in the valley? Well, I got news for you. Every valley has to have two mountains. Every valley has to have two mountains. Think about it. So when you're down there, there ain't nowhere to go but up. You're going back, and God's got you in his hands. Father, bless our offering. Bless our people. Bless our church. Thank you for this Wednesday night. We give you praise and glory and honor for the word of the Lord. We ask you to bless us all this week. Take care of us. Bring us back here Sunday to worship your holy name. And we give you glory in Jesus' name and let everybody say amen.